The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about understanding the difference between right and wrong in marketing. Joining us today is Chris Walker, who is the CEO of Refine Labs, which is a demand accelerator for B2B SaaS companies. Refine Labs helps companies increase marketing contribution to qualified pipeline and revenue while lowering customer acquisition costs through their demand acceleration framework that captures existing marketing demand in intent channels to create awareness in new channels. And today, Chris and I are going to discuss measuring marketing without vanity metrics. All right, here's the first part of my conversation with Chris Walker, the CEO of Refine Labs. Chris, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Ben, great to be on here. And I got to say, you got the radio voice. It does sound like you've done about a thousand episodes. We did just hit our thousandth episode. And I was going to do this big thing where we celebrated and talked about what a milestone it was to hit a thousand episodes and how grateful we are. And like I blinked and we had already passed it. We were like on a thousand two and I was like, oh man. Can't go back now. Got to wait till 5,000. Yeah. Well, it's going to be a while till we get to there. Hopefully I'm still around. Hopefully we're still around. I (laughs) appreciate the compliment. You know what they say, the face and a voice made for radio. (laughs) But that said, you're an expert marketer. You're working on demand acceleration for B2B SaaS companies. And a big part of helping companies grow is understanding what makes a difference in their business as opposed to what makes a difference in the metrics that they're tracking. So talk to me about how you measure marketing without using vanity metrics. So for me, Chris Walker, I'm CEO of Refine Labs. We currently work with about 40 enterprise SaaS organizations to transform their demand generation programs using our growth framework called Pipe. So we get a lot of insights about what companies are doing, how they're measuring, what they're optimizing for, et cetera. And what we find is that there are a lot of companies, and especially on the marketing side, where they set metrics that are easy to move and that don't translate to sales outcomes. So the way that I am going to define a vanity metric is that there's a metric that you can turn on a switch and you can make it move, website traffic, number of leads, different things like that, but it's not positively correlated with sales outcomes. In a lot of cases, it's actually negatively correlated with sales outcomes because you are wasting your sales team's time, not helping them hit their goal. So it's like the classic B2B problem. And it goes back before the tech industry. And I'll cite the Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, you know, marketing creates the leads and it's sales jobs to convert the leads into revenue. 
And so marketing goes out and tries to qualify people and they look for signals and they say, look, I'm getting evaluated on the number of leads and the quality. And here's the scoring methodology we use to figure out if somebody's quality. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they have a propensity to buy or that they're necessarily interested in our products or services, but sales, go get them. Quality should be defined as how many of them convert to customer, not based on some lead scoring model. <laughs> right. But you don't know that until they've converted into a customer. So when I'm sitting in a B2B SaaS model, I'm sitting here saying, I have to go get leads that are in this industry. They've visited our website this many times. They downloaded a white paper. You know, they've got this much revenue. All right. I'm, these are my qualifications. Sales, these people must be interested. And if you can't convert them to revenue, you suck at your job. That's not my fault. So if that was the case, you would have just as much luck just going into Zoom info and making those filters and then pulling someone out that meets those criteria. Because that's basically what marketing is doing when they pass those leads to sales. They're collecting an email address in a place where a lot of times the buyer, the prospect, whatever you want to call them, doesn't even remember that they filled out the form or doesn't even know that, like, doesn't expect you to call because it was some like back end, like download or ebook, then we'll cold call you with those types of expectations. So with a thing that people miss when we go down this path is that historically only fit mattered. In 2010, when there weren't contact databases and there weren't huge data sets and things like that, marketing job was to find people that were fits. And then sales job was to sell to them. Now, 11 years later, all the data in the world exists. We know exactly who they are. We can find all of the right fits. We can use data to figure those things out. Marketers need to transition to prioritizing intent. Fit is table stakes. It's funny because it used to be, well, we have to see who's interested in our products because they've said they're interested in our products. So let's cast a wide net. Whoever we experience and can capture data from must be interested. That's who we're going to sell to. Now there's not only all the data in the world, you can figure out using technology, how to target and who to target. And the question becomes, like you said, intent. And I actually think of it more of marketing based on signals, right? What are some of the signals that somebody shows? Not only that they're a fit, they've got the revenue profile, they're in the right industry, you found the right buyer or the right internal champion, but also are they in market? Are they unhappy with their existing tools? Are they ready to buy? Do they have the budget? So talk to me about how you think about not only gathering that data, how do you market to the people that are not only fits, but also the people that are fits that are broadcasting a buying signal? So this is the mistake that most marketers that typically are over relying on technology make, which is that they think that what they should do is they should take the signals of who's in market and then start marketing to them. And that's what most people do because what they're saying, oh, it's more efficient. We'll only be marketing to people at in market, blah, 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 blah. Unfortunately, once people have already gotten to that stage, there's been a very large part of the buying journey that's happened. They probably spec'd in features and functionality that they require. People in their buying committee probably already have a preferred vendor. They've probably already thought about budget without thinking about whether your solution fits into that. And most likely you're too late in the deal. So what marketers should do instead is instead of reading intent data and then trying to do marketing, they should figure out how to create intent. Okay, so the idea is if somebody is broadcasting a signal, likely you're too late. There's already marketing that's happened that got them to broadcast that buying signal that has influenced them away from your brand if you haven't already been exposed to them. And it's not to say that sales shouldn't move that, right? Like post intent, marketing should use intent channels to try and capture them, Google search, review sites, et cetera. Sales should be able to read that data and then try and slide into some deals, which can work. But I think if you hang your hat on that as your primary go-to-market strategy, you're destined to lose. 
But both of those things are viable options, and I think most companies should do them. But the key is that that's not where marketing should focus. Marketing should spend, in my view, 80% of their time, maybe more, and a lot of the budget trying to take a buyer that is not considering your solution, does not have affinity to your category, is not aware of the problems that exist in their business or the risks or other things, and getting them to understand those things over time. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, and instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. So, I mean, there's the notion of nurturing your leads, educating them, building awareness, know, like, and trust, credibility. And if you're doing that over a longer period of time, when someone is in market, then they're going to have an affinity for your service over your competitors. Let's turn this back into the metrics. If the idea is you're trying to reach out to your prospects before they are in buy mode and you're starting to build that awareness, your know, like, and trust, your credibility... What are the metrics that you're looking for? How do you evaluate whether you're building intent, awareness, and purchase signals? It's a leading metric in real cases, but in this case, it's going to be a lagging metric, is the inbound volume of hand raisers that say, hey, I'd love to talk to your sales team about buying this stuff. That's one that you can look at that if you marketed well over a couple of months, you'd be able to see go from 10 a month to 18 to 20. So right in your example, that's actually a lagging metric. I think what you want is things that are earlier than that but generally it's a leading metric for me. When you look at other signals, this is where people get tripped up. The signals are qualitative. And so that's why marketers have been obsessed and been trained by technology vendors for a very long time that everything needs to be quant and everything needs to be measured and processed by software, which is totally not true. And most of the valuable insights that drive real good, strong marketing decisions that happen six, 12, 18 months before your competitors are qualitative insights. So when I started posting on LinkedIn and was getting seven likes on my posts or 18 likes on my posts, and I'd done that for 30 or 60 days, quantitatively, an executive, if I worked at a company, would have looked at that and said, this is a terrible program, let's shut it off. However, on a qualitative standpoint, out of the 18 likes that I got on a post, 12 of them were CMOs at companies that we were going after. A couple of them commented. It was interesting that they asked questions or what they said or 
people sent me messages saying your podcast has been helpful or your content is helpful. Those are the things that I'm looking for initially is buyers signaling to me that the marketing that I'm doing is resonating and helping with them and they appreciate it. So there's an important distinction here that it's not just about volume and quantitative metrics and you can't just evaluate, well, number of inbound signals, number of hand raisers, number of leads. There has to be some sort of a, and what you're calling qualitative, and I think that there's still a way to make this quantitative, but there has to be some sort of a factor for understanding who those leads are. If I'm a B2B company and my marketing generates a hand raise from the CMO of Salesforce or Nike or whatever enterprise company that you're interested in targeting, those tend to be more important than if it's a bunch of you know middling startups with very little revenue and very little budget. So how do you factor in when you're thinking about measuring without using vanity metrics, not only the volume, but the quality of the leads that you're bringing to your sales team? What I'm looking for, and I think people talk about doing this, but don't actually do it, which is that you start from revenue and you work backwards to the top. And then I'm looking at conversion rates through the funnel. And so the number one way to get aligned with your sales team and the number one way to evaluate quality of the contacts that you're sending is whether or not your sales team's converting them into pipeline, whether or not they're converting them into customers. So that's what I'm looking for. The way that I look at that is I look at lead to win. I'm going to break it up into certain steps. Lead, how many leads converted to an opportunity, how many opportunities converted to a sales qualified opportunity, how many sales qualified opportunities converted to close one. And I'm going to benchmark that across different lead sources. The reason that I use lead sources and referral channels is because it's a very good predictor of intent. So somebody that comes through organic search and asks for a demo is going to have different conversion rates than someone that clicks off of a LinkedIn ad and asks for a demo. So by knowing that, I know that the organic search one will be a much higher conversion rates than the LinkedIn ad because it's direct response. And so I'm looking at how it's converting through the funnel. And the only reason that I got here was because in 2017, the company didn't care about any metric except for how much revenue is marketing generating. So other marketers and companies that have a lot more marketing infrastructure, marketers can hide behind metrics that don't matter. And that's how we stay in our job for so long. Oh, no, wait, marketers are the first ones to hit the door. Yeah, I mean, that's how we try to preserve our jobs as traffic went up. I did my job. In reality, what you're saying is that the way to evaluate your marketing efficiency is not on the vanity metrics of did I get traffic? Did I get leads? It's trying to understand whether those leads were quality and which sources they came from, which means that you have to be somewhat retrospective, right? You have to look back at what you've already done through the entire cycle, which means that you have to have conversions to understand what's working for you. So if you're new in the channel, or if you're new on the team, or if you're starting a new business, and you don't necessarily have that data, or you haven't owned the marketing department to understand what happened retrospectively, then what do you do? What I did back in the day when I went through this, and this is how I learned a lot of these things is that I would call the leads myself. I've talked to almost zero marketers that ever call any of their leads to understand what's going on when they pass them to sales. And if you did, you might stop passing some of those leads to your sales team because it's trash. And as I went through, I would do an execution, direct response to an ebook through a nurture sequence, cold call, direct response to an ebook, direct cold call, demo request, newsletter sign up, and do outreach to those people and see how people respond. And you can get the signal straight away. I knew after three or four calls, hey, I'm going to stop trying to get people to request a quote on LinkedIn ads. This is not working. It's funny how the more I record MarTech podcast episodes, the more that I realize that there's only so much marketing and data can do. And absolutely, data is critical 
to running a successful marketing business. And obviously technology is incredibly important as well. I mean, shit, I run the MarTech podcast. I built a whole business on it. But look, at the end of the day, if you don't understand who your customers are, and if you don't have that feedback loop to not only evaluate where your leads are, what their pain points are, understanding why they reached out to your products or service, you're never going to understand how to get the right data and you're never going to be able to build the right technologies to solve those customer pain points. At the end of the day, marketing is always going to be the practice of understanding who your customers are, what their needs are, and what your company can do to satisfy and resolve their pain points. So it doesn't matter what metrics you're looking at, without an understanding of who the customers are, they're all vanity metrics. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Chris Walker, CEO of Refine Labs. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Chris and I are going to continue the conversation talking about what he calls dark social. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Chris, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter, where his handle is ChrisWalker171, that's C-H-R-I-S-W-A-L-K-E-R, the numbers 171. Or you could visit his company's website, which is RefineLabs.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our once a week newsletter, and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.